What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Wednesday, May 26th. Man, I hope all you guys are feeling good out there. Hopefully, all you guys are staying safe. Of course, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, man. So please wash your hands as much as possible to keep the virus from getting on your hands and especially your face. Please wear a mask anytime you're outside, surrounded by a large group, crowd, or gathering. And of course, it is summertime. That means the sun is out. So please go outside and get some ultraviolet rays, a.k.a. sunlight on your skin, because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is not excluded from that list, man. I just hope all you guys are feeling well. Hopefully all you guys are in good mood, good spirit, good faith. Just keep pushing every single day. And I just want to tell you guys, for every single problem that you have in your life, you are the solution for it every single time, 10 times out of 10. You just got to sit back, you know, readjust focus, lock in. And for every problem, every encounter, every you know minor speed bump in the road, you are the solution for that. You just have to keep pushing and know that better things are going to come. Just trust me when I tell you guys that, man, and try and keep that in mind. But of course, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. We are still demanding justice for Jacob Blake. And we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings. I don't got to add much more to that, man. You guys know what it is with that. But let's get right into today's topic at hand because I am not going to lie to you guys. As I was planning out this podcast last night, I was so much more concerned about talking about the Lakers and the Suns series. Of course, the Lakers tied it up one game to one last night in Phoenix. You know, LeBron had a big time game. He had, you know, the three-point shot to pretty much win the game. Anthony Davis had a big bounce-back game from game one to game two. He had 30 points last night. You know, Chris Paul's banged up. Hopefully, he can get healthy, man, because I'm tired of seeing CP3 get hurt in the playoffs. He deserves way better than that. And, of course, you know, you just want to have the Suns have one of their main leaders on the floor with them as they go against the Goliath and the reigning champs. But so hopefully, he can get back healthy. But the Lakers did tie it up. It is now one apiece, and they will head back to Staples Center in L.A. for Game 3 and Game 4, and we'll see how that goes. But we got to talk about the other L.A. team, the B team, the side team, the circus show that is, and that's the Clippers because you guys know me. I am not really one of those guys that's a Clipper hater. I, I don't have anything against the Clippers, but the Clippers really do it to themselves. So last night they lost. They are now officially down zero games to two in the series against the Mavericks as that series is going to head over to Dallas for the next couple games, which is scary for them because they're going to have a a near full capacity crowd in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. So that's going to be a scary, not a scary situation, but that's going to be a nerve wracking situation for the Clippers. But the way that the Clippers have lost these two first games of this series, it's so concerning that it's not even funny. So let's just go into game one real quick. Then we'll talk about game two. Game one. The Mavericks won by a score of 113 to 103 again at Staples Center. Luka had a big-time game. He had 31 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. Tim Hardaway has been balling in these first two games of this series. He had 21 points, and he shot 5-9 from the three-point line. And the Clippers, excuse me, the Mavericks all in all, as an entire team, shot 47% from the three-point line. And I just want to say this, too. The Clippers' offense has not been the problem whatsoever in these first two games it's the defense that needs a ton of work going into the rest of the series like we'll get into that in a second but really that's concerning so game two though the Mavericks last night they won by a score of 127 to 121 which is a six point difference they shot 52 percent from the three-point line 
Luka had 39 points, 7 assists, and 7 rebounds. Tim Hardaway had another big-time outing with 28 points. He shot 6 of 8 from the three-point line. And the Clippers as a team, overall, from the field, they shot 45 of 84 shots, which is 53% as a team, which is great offensively as an entire team to shoot over 50%. That's a great performance offensively. Kawhi had 41 points. He was unstoppable last night. He had, honestly, probably one of his best games of his entire career when it comes to playoff moments, and yet they still lost. And, man, the defense of the Clippers is just atrocious, man. And I remember last year, you know, as the blame went around after the Clippers gave up that 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, you know, the blame went around from Doc Rivers to Paul George to Kawhi Leonard to Pat Bev. And everybody's talking about how the Clippers' defense is terrible, right? And they put a lot of blame on Montrez Harrell and Lou Will. And now look at them. They're on two different respective teams. You got Harrell playing for the Lakers, and you got Lou Will back home playing for the Hawks. And yet it seems like the Clippers' defense has regressed tremendously from last season. And that is a problem because, again, the offense is flowing just fine. Like the Mavericks are playing okay defense, but the Clippers are still pretty much, for the most part, getting every single shot that they can ask for between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who's also having a pretty good series, and everybody else, to be honest with you, but defensively, man. And I don't want to take anything away from what the Mavericks have been doing offensively because Luka, man, I cannot even give this dude enough praise because he's the same age as me, and yet he's done so many big things so early on in his career, like these past couple games. It's just something because going into the series, I'm not going to lie. I picked the Clippers to win this series in six games. I was telling all my people because, sadly, I didn't get to you guys in time enough to do a preview of this series on this podcast. But as I was talking to my people about this series going into it before it started, I kept saying, like, the Clippers should win. But on the other hand, too, Luka has no fear of the Clippers. Matter of fact, I honestly think Luka loves to raise his level of play when it comes to playing against the Clippers. It's something about the Clippers that Luka Doncic does simply not like, and he wants to get rid of them as a whole. Like, he just does not like that team. I don't know if it's Pat Bev. I don't know if it's Paul George. But ever since he's coming to the league against the Clippers, he always has big-time performances against them. From the playoffs last year, you know, he had a big-time ankle breaker a couple years ago on Paul George when he was in, I think, OKC that season. Like, it's just too easy for Luka against this Clippers defense. It's literally barbecue chicken every single time. He is picking them apart, man. But honestly, too, though, like, as much as Luka is is dissecting their defense, their rotations, the communication, um, just being lackadaisical on help side, the back doors, they're just not reacting fast enough. It's so many different things that's going wrong with this Clipper defense. And I give Ty Lue a lot of credit, especially this season, because, again, the Clippers' offense flows a lot better than what it did last year. Like, that is true. Doc Rivers, the offense was okay under Rivers, but it's much better under Ty Lue this year. But it's no reason for the defense to have regressed as far as it has regressed as it's looking right now. Like, that's just not excusable at all from, you know, Lawrence Frank to Jerry Westwood is probably definitely mad as hell right now because he knows their defense should be way better than what it is. But also, too, though, a big reason why this series is 2-0 in favor of the Dallas Mavericks is because of the role players that the Dallas Mavericks have on their roster. From Christoph Porzingis, yes, I do consider him a role player. Tim Hardaway Jr., we know I just stated earlier, he's been having big-time performances in these first two games. You know, Jalen Brunson, who's pretty much the backup point guard, he comes in, even killed, patience, poised, always looking to find the open teammate and just getting buckets, you know, 
Dorian Finney-Smith has been on fire to start these first few games, especially from the three-point line. Maxi Kleba is a guy who was hurt and in and out the rotation for not in and out the rotation, but he was hurt for a good majority of the season. And he's back. He looks fully healthy now. He's done a pretty good job of guarding Kawhi, even though, of course, you know, Kawhi is a great player. You're not going to stop Kawhi. You're not going to lock up Kawhi, but you can contain him and you can make things tough on him. Even though Kawhi has still been cooking, Maxi Kleba has done a good job of making him earn every single bucket. And that's all that you can ask for at the end of the day when it comes to guarding great players. And he's done that. And literally just everybody that comes onto the floor for them from um, Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, everybody is playing well for the Dallas Mavericks as a whole. And that's what it takes in order to become a really good playoff team. Your role players have to step up. If you look back at the Mavericks in 2011 when they won it all, of course, with Rick Carlisle and Dirk Nowitzki had a crazy run to the finals, ultimately winning finals MVP and getting the Mavericks their first ever championship. The role players stepped up. Jason Terry had big time performances throughout the course of those playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Different players stepped up and that's what it has to happen. And so far for the Mavericks, that's exactly what's happened. And the Clippers just don't have any responses for them. And for Luka, man, the way that he's picking apart this defense is honestly just like, poetry and motion because he's doing it in so many different ways that honestly I don't I really can't give you guys the solution for the Clippers to guard him because it's like first things first you can't double team Luka Doncic you just can't you know why because as great as a scorer that Luka is he's just as great as a passer as well and it's a couple other players in the league like like nowadays like LeBron and the Joker Nikola Jokic from Denver you can't double team those guys because if you do they're going to find the open man every single time, and it's going to allow their offense to get easy opportunities and easy buckets every single time. You just can't do it. You have to live with one of your best defenders guarding those guys one-on-one. Otherwise, they're going to make you pay every time, and that's exactly what happens. You look at Phoenix. They tried to double-team LeBron a couple different times last night, and he made them pay. Luka Doncic does the same thing. They double-teamed him, not even for the full game. I think they only double-teamed him like only in the fourth quarter last night. And he made him pay every single time. And look, Luka only had four points in the entire fourth quarter of last night. And in game one, he only had one point in that entire fourth quarter. Think about how crazy that is. Tim Hardaway has been playing out of his mind, but Luka is making them pay. And another thing, when it comes to Luka picking apart the Clippers defense, he is hunting and searching for mismatches. And when I say mismatches and searching and hunting for them, he is trying to get who he thinks is the Clippers' worst defensive player and try and get the easiest bucket possible because he knows the Clippers are running a lot of switches, which means every time you know the ball goes from one player to another, if they set a screen, the defensive players are going to switch men every single time. And so Luka, it was a couple different plays last night, but in particular, he had a play, I think it was probably in like the, the fourth quarter. And Patrick Beverly switched on to Luka. They were one-on-one at the top of the three-point line. And Luka just put Pat Bev on his hip. He blew past him. He put him on his hip. And I think he might have taken like two to maybe three dribbles from the top of the three-point line all the way down for an easy layup. And as Luka was running back on defense and Pat Bev was running back on offense, Luka was talking so much smack from one end of the floor to the other that I was just laughing because we all know Pat Bev is one of the biggest trash talkers in the league. Not even trash talkers, just talkers in general. He loves to talk. And Luka was barking right back at him. And he was talking big smack because obviously he was killing him on the offensive end. And so I'm just like, the different ways that this dude can score, it was another play. Might have been the third quarter. Luka was isolated by himself. He had Kawhi on the island. They were one-on-one. 
you know, Kawhi was guarding him. And I want to give some credit to Kawhi, too, because for the most part, he has accepted the challenge of trying to guard Luka. He doesn't do it all the time, of course, because they do switch a lot, which is a problem for them right now. But he does guard him for the majority of these, of these games. And it was a play where Luka was literally one-on-one. He was on the elbow. And they were on, I think, the right side of the court by themselves, right? And Luka was just backing him down from the three-point line. He got him to the elbow, backed him down a couple of times. And just like Kobe used to do, just like Michael Jordan used to do, and just like the legendary Dallas Maverick Dirk Nowitzki used to do, he hit a fadeaway shot right over Kawhi and just hit it like it was nothing. Like that, like he's just been doing that his entire career. And of course, Luka's been playing professional basketball since he was, what, like 14? He's been doing it at a very high level for a long time. But to just see him do that, it's crazy. From a 22-year-old, that's insane, dude. Like, he's just making it look easy. And we all know Luka, man, he's special. He plays at his own pace. He never gets sped up or slowed down. He got eyes in the back of his head. He knows where his teammates are supposed to be. He knows where his teammates are going to be. He just knows basketball. He has a – like, when it, when, it's, when people talk about feel for the game, Luka Doncic has the ultimate feel for the game. Like, he knows basketball through and through. He's still only learning, but – He's been through a lot of different situations, and he knows the way that the NBA game is played with all these different players being spaced out across the floor, it's easy for him. It's, it's a one-on-one game, and if the defense helps, he's going to find the open man every single time. That's another thing, too, is the biggest thing that's hurting the Clippers right now defensively, and that's probably the only adjustment I can really give them, is their big man, uh, Ivica Zubak. He's not built for this series because the Mavericks run – a five-out type of offense. And five-out is literally just where every single player on your offense is on the three-point line. And that's a problem because we know Kristaps Porzingis isn't a traditional quote-unquote big man in the NBA. He's 7'3", but he likes to shoot threes. He likes to take mid-range jumpers and different things like that. Like, he doesn't like to post up like that. He's not a guy that's going to back you down, back you down, and, you know, hit you with a sky hook or hit you with a a different type of hook. You know what I'm saying? He's going to shoot the three. He's going to pick and pop. You know what I'm saying? He's going to take those jump shots. He's going to shoot a lot of different jumpers. And Kristaps isn't even playing that well, but because he has that ability to shoot the ball like that, the Clippers big man have to be honest, and they have to go out to the three-point line and guard him. Otherwise, he's going to make you pay every single time. So in a sense, the Mavericks run a small ball type of offense. Like, they really do. Like, Dorian Finney-Smith, he can't be no taller than 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, you know what I'm saying? Um, and he's been playing well, too. Like, he's been an excellent three-point shooter for them. And so I'm just saying, like, the Clippers might have to go small. Like, I don't know what's up with Sergi Baca. I think I heard he was hurt and banged up, but he, had, he only played a little bit last night. He's definitely going to have to play more. You know, you're going to need different contributions from them. And I'm just looking at their defense. Like, it's just lazy right now, bro. Like, the communication is off. The timing is off. The effort is off. It's too many different things with the Clippers that's honestly just embarrassing right now. Like, if you're Ty Lue, if you're Lawrence Frank, if you're Jerry West, you should be ashamed right now of the effort or the lack of effort, that is, that the Clippers are displaying because the Mavericks are outplaying them in almost every facet of the game. And that's a problem because, you know, after Luka, the Clippers clearly have the second and third best players in this series. And you can make a case that Kawhi is better than Luka. I'm not really going to argue with that. You can go either way. But I'm just saying, like, you have more star power, quote-unquote, and they're playing good. But defensively, I remember when Kawhi and Paul George first came to the Clippers. Remember how a lot of people were comparing them as the best wing duo since Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan? I remember that. That was not too long ago. That was only a couple years ago. And I'm looking at them now like, they're getting cooked. And again, I understand the greatness of Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, man, I'll, I'll just say this. If Don Nelson and Mark Cuban and Rick Carlisle are ever, ever able to get a second star, star player next to Luka Doncic, 
the Mavericks are going to win a championship within the next three years of when they get that star because he's just that great. And that's all that they're missing is a real star next to him. You know, Christoph Porzingis' contract is ugly. I'm not going to lie. I think it's like five years, $158 million. But regardless of the fact, like, if they get another star, they're going to win a championship. And I think Luka's going to win multiple finals MVPs. I think he's going to get to the finals multiple times. He's just fantastic. But the Clippers have to be better. It's no excuses whatsoever. I remember I just made a podcast like a week ago talking about the three teams in the NBA that have the most at stake when it comes to the 2021 playoffs. And the Clippers were one of those teams because, as you guys know, the only players that are really under contract for the Clippers are Paul George and Luke Kennard. And that's another thing. They gave Luke Kennard a big bag this offseason after I think they traded for him for the Detroit Pistons. He's not even playing that much. Like, I think he's that big of a defensive liability that he's not even playing that much right now for the Clippers. Paul George is under contract. Kawhi is the big question mark. And I know a lot of people don't think Kawhi is going to leave because he left a great situation after winning a championship in Toronto and he just wants to be home and all these different things. And I understand that to a T. But at the same time, I also still think and believe that Kawhi Leonard still wants to win a championship. I know he has two. I think he has, what, two finals MVPs as well. I still think he's trying to win. I don't think he's just playing the game anymore for just money. I understand that too, but he's got plenty of money, not to be a pocket watcher or anything like that, but I think he still wants to win. Like, I really believe that, and I don't think you're going to get anything accomplished with the Clippers because, like, if, and honestly, I'm going to say when the Clippers lose this series because, again, I picked the Clippers to win this series, but now I'm almost positive that the Mavericks are going to win this series. Where do the Clippers go from here? Where do they go? If you trade Paul George, you're not realistically going to get anything better than Paul George. You could maybe. You could probably get Zach Levine, but I don't even think Zach Levine is that much of an upgrade from Paul George. He's really elite, and he's still growing, of course, but is he that much better than Paul George? You can maybe, maybe trade for Bradley Bill, but I don't even think that's, you know, a realistic option unless Brad Bill wants to get traded. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just nowhere realistic that... It, it's just like, the Clippers can't fold this opportunity. It is no way... Kawhi Leonard re-signs there if they just choked the 3-1 lead last year in the, in the Western Conference semifinals versus the Nuggets. And then this year, you're not even going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. And literally, almost every single NBA fan has been waiting ever since Paul George and Kawhi Leonard got to LA. They've been waiting for the battle of LA in the playoffs between the Lakers and the Clippers. Every single NBA fan, whether they told you this or not, is waiting for that. The world wants to see that. And here we are, the Clippers are being the Clippers. Just when you expect the best for the Clippers, just when you think the Clippers have a good chance of potentially making the NBA Finals, this is what they do. They come out and their defense is terrible. They don't look in sync. I remember I was watching last night. I think it was during the timeout. Like, Rajon Rondo and Serge Ibaka got into a heated argument, and I think Ty Lue was a part of that as well. And I, I know arguments happen. It's high-level competition. Everybody got their own views and opinions on trying to win games. I understand that. But the way that it looked, it did not look good. I don't want to make something seem like it's bigger than it is, but just seeing that, it did not look good, man. So we're going to see what happens in this series as it plays out. But again, they're going to Dallas. If the situations was, you know, vice versa, like say, you know, the Clippers lost the first two games in Dallas, and then for game three and game four, they're back at Staples Center. That's not the case. They just lost their, both their first games, the two games of this series. They lost at Staples Center, at their home arena. And now they got to go to Dallas, which I heard, again, is more than likely going to be a near full capacity arena at American Airlines Center in Dallas. That is not a good situation 
for the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I do think they're going to win this next game, game three, but then I think the Mavericks are going to win game four, and they're going to come back to Staples Center for game five, and I think the Mavericks are going to close out the Clippers, and then it's going to be one of the biggest laughing stocks in NBA history, like the Clippers. They already are, but I think after this, it's going to be insufferable if you're a Clipper fan. I, I really feel bad for you if you're a Clipper fan because it really can't get any worse than what it is now. You got, I know you guys had the biggest hopes and the highest hopes when Kawhi Leonard first got here, and it's been nothing short of failure. I ain't going to lie. Like it, it, It's been a failure. For you guys who have not gotten to the Western Conference Finals and it doesn't look like you guys are going to do that this year, it's a failure, man. So I don't know. We're going to see if Kawhi stays or not, but man, I mean, the series isn't over. I don't want to say it's, it's dead in, in the water, but it looks like it. I ain't going to lie. It looks like the Mavericks just have their number, but we'll see. And also, too, real quickly, before I move on, I want to give a lot of credit to Rick Carlisle because Rick Carlisle, man, he's been doing this at an elite level for a very long time. He's only 61 years young. I looked it up. I thought he was way older than that, but for him to be doing this as long as he's been doing it for... Like, their offense is clicking. Their defense is clicking. They look well-rounded as a team. Like, the Mavericks kind of just coasted through the regular season. But to be fair, I think a lot of teams did with the short turnaround going from the bubble to this new NBA season. A lot of teams just coasted. And the Mavericks were one of those teams. And now they've completely turned it up in the playoffs. And it looks like they're going to get the Clippers out of the postseason in the first round, man. But we'll see. But for tonight's slate, I want to give you guys my picks for tonight's games. Between the first game, we're going to have the Wizards versus the Sixers in Game 2. Then we're going to have the Hawks again in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks for Game 2. And then lastly, we're going to have the Memphis Grizzlies back in Salt Lake City playing against the Utah Jazz for Game 2. So for the first game, because I was super disappointed in the Washington Wizards in Game 1 because I know the 76ers are a better team, but I don't think they're a far superior team than the Washington Wizards as the national media would like to tell you. I think the Wizards are actually a really good team, and they've been clicking really well recently. But in game one, they had that game, and they literally just gave it up. They had so many unforced turnovers that cost them that game. They had a good performance from Bradley Beal. You know, Russell Westbrook played okay. You know, even Daniel Gafford played good. You know, you know, Rob Neto gave him some life. Ish Smith played well. But then it's like you gave up 37 points to Tobias Harris. I think you gave up close to 40 to Joel Embiid, and yet, you didn't even lose by double digits. You were in that game all the way until the end, and yet you just had so many costly turnovers that it wouldn't let you guys get back into the game. So I'm going to pick the 76ers, but I would not be surprised if Brad Beal or Russell Westbrook puts on an all-time performance from a, a duo in the playoffs and gets the Sixers this win tonight. But I am going to rock with Philly. I just think Joel Embiid is too much for the young post players that the Washington Wizards have. And I just think, honestly, it's just they got too much shooters and it's just not a good matchup for the Wizards. But again, I, I do think that this series could be a longer series than people think it's going to be. But tonight, I will take the Philadelphia 76 Now, in game two, because the Hawks versus the Knicks, that first game was fantastic. It went all the way down to the wire. Of course, Trey Young hit the game-winning floater to send the Knicks fans home sad. But tonight, I'm going to go with the Knicks because Julius Randle played bad. He shot the ball terrible in that first game. He settled for a lot of jump shots, which I do not think is sustainable. If I'm Julius Randle tonight, I'm coming out aggressive. I'm putting a lot of pressure on John Collins or whoever's guarding me. I'm getting to the free throw line, and I'm doing it that way because Julius Randle is a bully. He needs to get back to being a bully. Get, you know, put your head down, you know, go into somebody's chest and get to the bucket. Use your hook shot. Use your little floaters and, and put pressure on the Hawks defense. That's how you get going. You don't settle for jump shots like mid-range shots and three-point shots. You got to get into the paint 
and just work out. That's all it is for Julius Randle. He's a big, big body. So I do expect him to have a much better game and performance in this game. I am still kind of concerned with the Knicks because as great as the Knicks defense has been this season, they simply do not have an answer for Trey Young. And when you don't have an answer for the other team's best player, that could be a scary situation because Alfred Payton pretty much started majority of the game for the Knicks this season at point guard because we all know Coach Tibbs loves defensive players. You are not going to play under Tom Thibodeau unless you play defense. And Alfred Payton, all he does, and the only reason he's been in the NBA for as long as he's been in the NBA is because he plays defense at an elite level. But he cannot, he, or so far, he has not done that. In, in all, it's only been one game, but so far, he has not done that against Trey Young. Trey Young got whatever he wanted in that first game. I think it was on, what, Saturday or Sunday. And so we'll see if they make an adjustment. But also, too, it's like with Derrick Rose, he's like the alternate version of Alfred Payton because as much as I love D. Rose, you know, he's still hooping at a high level after everything that he's been through. He's only an offensive player. He's not going to give you a lot on the defensive end. So I don't know what they're going to do. They might have to put R.J. Barrett on Trey Young. They might have to put like Alec Burke or Reggie Bullock, give him some length to, you know, try and fight through and fight over. But they got to do something because right now Trey Young is just, after that first game, he was doing literally whatever he wanted to do. He had complete control of every single thing in game one. So we'll see what type of adjustments that Coach Tibbs makes. Again, I am going to take the Knicks in game two and see if they will tie this series up. Hopefully they tie the series up because I do think that series regardless is going to be a seven-game series. But the last game is the Jazz and the Grizzlies for game two in Salt Lake City. Donovan Mitchell is back, which is great news to hear. That's one of my favorite young players in the league. I'm going to take the Jazz in this game. You know, of course, after game one, Dylan Brooks had a big-time game. John Morant did so as well. But I know, like, I don't expect Donovan Mitchell to go off for 30 tonight because it's hard after coming off an injury to get back into the flow of things, to, you know, see the shots go through the net, get your rhythm back, get your timing back, get your feel for your teammates back. It's hard to just come back and get readjusted. It takes like three to four games. And sometimes for most players, it takes more games than that to get readjusted to the game flow of the NBA game. So we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did have a big performance, but I just don't expect that tonight. But I do think he will bring them back enough to where the Jazz can get a victory over the Grizzlies as that series shifts back um, to Memphis or over to Memphis for game three and game four. But I do think the Utah Jazz will get the job done tonight and even up that series at one apiece, man. But as always, I appreciate you guys, man. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Please go follow us. Go like our stuff. Go follow us for all your sports news and needs. I promise you Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you guys. I am also on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network, man. Feature alongside a whole bunch of other really talented content creators and podcast producers, man. So please go check us out. I promise you we got a long list of sports podcasts that you guys would love to hear, man. But as always, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Please like comment subscribe rate review and share and if you listen to my podcast on apple podcast please leave a rate and review that is how we share grow and expand the podcast i will talk to you guys soon as always peace and love gone